Welcome to the Metro Minute, Loving Learning Edition, hosted by Alyssa Quarles, Director of Learning and Instruction, and Liz Farthing, EdTech Specialist at Metro Christian Academy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Here we collaborate with educational leaders in the K-12 world to dive deeper into all things professional development and ed tech. Our goal is not just to empower you to grow as a professional in the classroom, but to encourage you as a lifelong learner who educates out of the overflow of your flourishing mind, body, and spirit. We are so excited to learn together. Today, we get to talk about our tech acronym and deep dive into the C for Christian. So we're talking about technology from a Christian worldview. And to join us in this conversation and help it be a bit more thoughtful, we have Angie Ellis, a dear friend and fellow educator with us. Welcome, Angie. Thank you. Thank you. Angie, we're so excited to have you join us today. Can you frame your space right now and tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what your journey has been to get to this point? So I have been teaching for a while and I've been at Metro for five years. This is my sixth year. I was teaching English and now I'm teaching geometry. So I am belovedly known as the unicorn in our math department. I've always said I can teach anything but science and I can teach any grade but elementary. So I've been a preschool minister. I've taught college. I've taught middle school. I've taught high school. I literally just love all stages, like that whole lifelong learner thing. That's 100% what I'm about. As Christian educators, which the three of us are, we are called to steward our, our students in a variety of ways. But we've had some really fun conversations and different professional developments that has has kind of guided us and helped us think through how are we stewarding our students in the area of technology? Angie and I have talked a lot about this off mic, so I'm excited to have her um, just share her thoughts on the mic for all the listeners to hear. Angie, how do you view technology as a Christian educator? As Christians, anything that's difficult or new, it's easier just to hide from it. And that includes like any sensitive topic. And so it would just be easier to never have laptops in the classroom and never have to deal with phones. Mm. But then we're not dealing with the whole person. And legitimately, those are things that we as adults struggle with and have to figure out and have to put under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so we are examples to them, right? As we figure it out, we help them figure it out and lay that foundation because there's just nothing that we have to deal with that they're not going to have to deal with. And we're shirking our duty if we don't deal with, if we don't help them deal with it, because otherwise it's like, yeah, we didn't know what to tell you. So good luck. To me, it's irresponsible, but it's borderline neglectful as shepherds, as adults, it just seems wrong to say, you figure it out. Yeah. And I think it's, it's such a beautiful opportunity too to have this privilege of dealing with things that, that can be difficult and that can be obstacles 
in a community where as educators, we can rely on one another as students. Our students are hopefully relying on one another in really positive ways. Even when we stumble together and learn together how to use technology well. I love what you said about it it would just be easier to have kind of a a zero tolerance (laughs) policy almost for technology. So when I teach biology, I teach evolution because... I don't want a kid to grow up in a Christian school with a Christian teacher hearing about only Christian ideas. And then they step into a secular university freshman year and they hear about evolution for the first time. Oh my goodness, how is that going to absolutely rock their world? And so I intentionally teach some of the concepts that you know, a bio 101 professor at a secular college would bring up because I want to talk about it in a safe space and I want to help them learn, okay, what's, what's maybe legitimate or how might we look at this data or this piece of evidence and interpret it in a different way through a Christian worldview? If you create a safe bubble for your students and that's where God exists, then when that bubble bursts, they can lose God. Mm. So if they associate that safety and artificiality that you create with who God is, then he's not big enough to exist outside of that. We struggle with these things, right? How do you use your phone wisely as a Christian? And honestly, being around kids helps me think with more sharpness and purpose than if I were on my own. I could be really lazy in terms of how I use technology, except I think about how I'm helping them. Mm. You know, that makes me think of part of our mission statement, which specifically talks about equipping our students to excel academically, spiritually, physically, and socially. And that's a lot of different areas. And in order to equip them to excel in those areas beyond Metro, which this is not, you know, all encompassing of life. There comes into play, you know, conversations about stewardship and discernment, you know, in the Mm -hmm. tech world or with controversial topic. If we are not teaching and modeling spaces of wrestling, Mm -hmm. I would argue that that is not an equipping space. And of course, you know, we're a P3 through 12 school, so that's going to look different at different levels, Mm -hmm. like Liz said, we're doing explicit professional development and collaboration and having these ongoing conversations so that we have appropriate levels of student agency and advocacy in these different areas. But I really believe there's no junior Holy Spirit. Right. So it's at those early levels that we're introducing to say, okay, it's not about what I think as a teacher. Sure, we bring professionalism and training and preparation to the table. But ultimately, are we teaching our kids to hear the voice of God and to be sensitive to what he's asking us? About everything, Mm -hmm. including their laptop use in class, Mm -hmm. the phone that they have at lunch, right? Like spaces where we can't go, they still have to invite Jesus there. So we have to model that when we interact with them or else they don't have any leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's hard if adults have not experienced that. Two, we deal with some prejudice of, well, just put your phone down and be face-to-face. Mm. But what I've learned of being around high school students is they socialize with their phones. But a lot of times they are using that as a tool of interaction. And if I didn't back 
off of my own opinion and interact, then I wouldn't see that. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that there's no place for me to correct. Oh, everything you're doing is fine. Um, I have things to bring to the table too. But I think it would be very easy to become, especially on technology, because it's so new. And like, think of what I'm older than you guys. Think of what I grew up with. When my TV got struck by lightning, my dad didn't fix it for two years. I had the radio. <laughs> like, I'm still with you. I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. I'm, I'm an actual <laughs> dinosaur, right? Like, very few people had that kind of life where there was nothing mm-hmm. feeding into me except my parents and God's beautiful world, which is very limited. And these kids have a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And so I could go, well, that's wrong. They're bad. Or I could learn what they're facing and be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the beautiful thing about that is like, if, if you took the approach of, oh, that's wrong, don't, don't have that right. app on your phone or don't use your technology in this way. No teenager is going to hear that and be like, oh, Mrs. Ellis, right. mm, mm-hmm. thank you for that correction. I will delete this app immediately. I think that just pushes kids to use things in secrecy away mm-hmm. from any shepherding. And that's, the exact opposite of what any loving adult would want for a yeah. child. We talked about um, sexual predators in my ninth grade literature class for several years. And I'm bringing up like all these topics that no adult has probably brought up with them before. Mm. Because as parents, I mean, I've been a parent and I'm sure there are some parents who have tools already because we are getting more and more knowledgeable about shepherding in this field. So I do know that there are parents who are like, oh yeah, we get, you know, this newsletter and it helps us to talk to our kids about this. Some churches may be providing resources, but I still think there's a huge number of people who have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. And so for me to be able to say, hey, when you guys are online, adults have access to you. Let's talk about that. And they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And start telling these horrific stories that parents, I think, just a lot of times haven't thought through. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense because they hadn't had that conversation themselves as a kid. They hadn't experienced it. Right, exactly. That's, you know, it's all changing so quickly. One of the things that that I asked them was, if somebody says something inappropriate to you, a stranger on the internet, who are you going to talk to? They talk to each other. So where's the wisdom, right? You're getting the wisdom of your friend who's also 14. (laughs) And, And that's as high as it goes. So if we even talk about these things, even though I haven't ever experienced in a gaming format somebody hitting on me, but if we talk about these things, then they know, hey, I can go talk to her. Just because an adult actually said those words, now they know, well, you know, she may be dumb, but I can at least talk about this. It's not a taboo topic. And the more their youth pastor and their parents and any adult in their life is saying, hey, I know this thing is real. I know this happens. The more you are creating an opportunity for them to have wisdom instead of just me and my friends figured it out because that's not always going to go well. Mm -hmm. You both have used the phrase safe spaces, and I really like that because we are creating a culture of care here. And I wonder what it would look like to maybe even shift to mindsets of brave spaces where kids and adults are acknowledging that they're all cared for at the table and that these are caring conversations, but that they're also going to be challenging ones. Because I think in our society, sometimes we associate safe with 
being comfortable. Yeah. And I think a lot of maybe parents and adults who didn't have these kind of conversations are uncomfortable with those topics because yeah. they are uncomfortable and challenging topics. But Very that, much so. You know, that could be a growing space I want to grow into, mm-hmm. but especially for our students, acknowledging, okay, this this could be messy. Going into that particular unit, I felt compelled to teach it, but I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been so much easier to not deal with that topic at all. And I tried to send out like lots of communication to parents and get, but there were still, like the first time I taught it, I said some things I probably shouldn't have said because, you know, it's it's all new. I made mistakes from the get-go. As we all do. And then I had a conversation with a parent who's like, can we talk about this? I'm like, oh, thank you so much for talking to me about it because I want the opportunity to apologize, right? I'm trying to do this new thing. It was really hard. Thank you so much for bringing this to me. I did not mean to do that and have been very careful since. To me, that was a very, that was a hard place to be. And then same with AI. I would rather, my first experience with AI in the classroom for six months was simply hunting down children who were using it and shooting them with a sharp arrow. Um, Because it's just, you know, wrong, bad. You need to think for yourself. Stop it. It's cheating. Yes. And then I went to a PD that we had that was two days of, what if this is a tool? And I was like, what if it's a tool? I don't know. And my first thought was, well, thank God I'm teaching geometry next year because I won't have to think about it. And then I teach in English and have to think about it and deal with it in the classroom. But it's not comfortable. So I, I love that brave space. That's great. Yeah. Speaking of AI, I gave my students kind of an impromptu AI survey this year because as they were kind of working on some stuff, I had this email part of a group called AI for Admin and an email from them popped up and I was like, you know, it's nice to hear other admin perspectives on this, but really I want to hear from the kids. So I just made a Google form really fast, sent it out to them. And it was not the point of what we were doing in biology that day by any means, but it became such a helpful data source and conversation. And so they submitted it. It was all anonymous. And then I said, so do you want to talk about it? It's first hour science class. Here. <laughs> they barely have a pulse. And they shot up. We're bright eyed and bushy tailed. And we're like, yeah, let's talk about it. And so we did. And, and it was fantastic. And just the moral implications. I asked them, is it morally acceptable to use AI? They were split. They were yeah. split. Some of them said, absolutely, no problems here. Yeah. And the other half were like, oh, yeah, it's definitely wrong in every way, in every circumstance. I so. had some kids when we did a, an exercise using artificial intelligence with their vocabulary sentences, we would kind of laid the groundwork about like having those conversations. You know, is this an ethical choice? Can you make this choice with knowing that God's watching what you're doing, right? One of my students who had clearly like never really experienced AI, it's like, but now I kind of want to try it. Like he's being tempted to the dark side, right? (laughs) And I just think being able to remove that, we should be able to walk in the light. And so if you are having to hide what you're doing, that's a problem right there. That's a shepherding opportunity. That's not normally how teachers say it, right? They're like, don't use AI. You're so bad. Don't do it. You're making me so angry. Those sound effects are my favorite. Uh, it's my natural voice. It's very um, solemn. <laughs> there. I keep my kids' attention. And if we say instead, 
hey, if you're doing something and you have to hide it, think about what you're doing. Well, that's not just AI. Mm -hmm. That's your phone. That's your laptop. If you change your screen when your teacher comes over, then what does that mean? Should you have been doing that? Was that a wise choice? And then that can apply to anything beyond technology. But it goes, it covers so many things that we don't necessarily see. And I think that's what good shepherding models do. And that's yeah. an invitation to discernment, right? Because yeah. we're not all of a sudden moralizing tools. You know, we've talked on previous podcasts about like there's nothing morally wrong with a hammer. Right. But there are wrong ways to use it. And yeah. there's a time and place. Yeah, and we've read that mystery book, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like the same concept of, okay, how are we providing opportunities to engage our students in building discernment and hearing the voice mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit and where he's directing? I mean, that's that's huge because then it's not us trying to be like, I'm going to catch you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I shared a story with my students when we were when we were talking about AI this semester, about when I was watching Law and & Order. And so that's, again dinosaur years. But TV used to be a thing that you had to consider, right? Are you using this in a moral fashion? And it started, every Law & Order episode started with a murder. Well, my kids were little. So I was like, you'd better be in bed before, because I didn't want them to come in and see a dead body on the screen, right? And so after a while of like all this parenting struggle, my kids had to be in bed by nine. I'm going to watch this show. This before VCRs, guys. I realized, that's right, that's right. (laughs) I realized I needed to talk to Jesus about it, right? Is it okay that I'm watching Law and & Order? And what I felt like the Lord was saying to me was, can I watch it with you? Mm. And I was like, yes. And then after a little bit of Jesus is sitting right here with me and we are watching Law and & Order, I realized that I liked the show because of the sense of justice. Is justice being served or is justice being thwarted? And asking that question, those are like the deep, that was connecting me to God's truth. Mm-hmm. And so... So it was okay. Mm-hmm. But if I had never asked Jesus, I would have carried my guilt because I was keeping it in the dark. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that it was wrong for me to watch the show. I think, and I do teach this to my kids too. When you say discernment, some of these things are gray and it's okay for some people mm-hmm. And it's not okay for others. And we're in the body of Christ. I mean, Paul talks about this when he talks about meat being sacrificed to idols. Yes. And so... I don't want to be on TikTok for a thousand reasons. That doesn't necessarily mean I get to say that is absolutely wrong for someone else. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Just even being able to have that statement that you are responsible for your own discernment and for following the Holy Spirit in your life. Even that is valuable because if we all had that, wouldn't it increase our fellowship with each other? Mm Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a crucial conversation for our space. You know, we're in interdenominational school and we're independent. Mm-hmm. So we have a really wide fence post of families and perspectives yeah. and walks with Jesus. Yeah. And we may fall on different things. I think we agree on the majors, but there are minors. Yeah. Are different spaces for a variety of convictions and, you know, beliefs about different things. So I think really we're ultimately pointing our families and our students and each other as educators back to Jesus saying, how are we inviting him in? Yeah, That's which so good. is almost more iron sharpens iron yes. than if you're in a more homogenous space mm-hmm. because you get to explore kind of those differences and, and then respect them, right? I can't watch horror shows. And, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, 
nobody can. There's no reason for me to pass judgment. But then it also allows us to accommodate for each other. Our students deal with a lot of peer pressure. What does it look like when we hold space for each other? Hey, this isn't okay with our friends, so today we're just going to go do this, right? Our friend who's diabetic, we're not going to have a big sugar fest for you know around her, right? That's just not And that cool. exhibits so much honor. And compassion. Yes. Like when you talk about developing socially and spiritually, socially is where these kids are really hyper-focused right now. I had a, a student who had a lot of parental controls, and she was very limited in when she could have her phone. And she said when she got her phone, all she wanted to do was get caught up on what everyone was talking about because they had all these inside jokes and all this commentary, which in my day, the equivalent was you didn't watch the SNL skits. So on Sunday morning, you couldn't talk with people. And this follows into every space where you go, where people are, that kind of thing happens. I totally agree with allowing the spirit to work in each of our individual lives and how each of us have different sensitivities where that is such a gray space and we're uncomfortable with gray. Like it's so much easier if we have black and white. And when we're talking about technology, there are some black and whites. So that complicates it even further because like obviously... Technology like the dark web or pornography on the internet, those are black and yes. not acceptable mm-hmm. in any context and are, are extremely detrimental to God's image in his people. Then we have things like Flipgrid. They give a voice to students who otherwise might be quite right. voiceless. And that is so glorifying and beautiful. And then we have the gray, like... TikTok, like, (laughs) you know, Angie's not going to be using it anytime soon, but other people might and totally can in good conscience. And so I think it's just being comfortable, like you said, with being uncomfortable. A lot of life's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I feel like Jesus was really good at throwing people off their game. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. I know X, Y, and Z. And then Jesus would come in and be like, hey, Samaritans, right? (laughs) And I think that that's the space where we live in order to grow, which is actually why I like teaching high school because we're talking about, because I can bring those things into the classroom. I think if I hadn't had the freedom to teach about AI this year in my English class, I would have felt gypped that I wasn't getting to address something that's very real and pertinent to these kids. Mm -hmm. Sure, Shakespeare, but let's talk about AI. Yeah, I love that. Moving into the practical from this a little bit more philosophical conversation, how do you feel like we can encourage students to use technology in a way that's healthy and based on our Christian values and faith? All this technology is a tool. And so as a teacher, you have to push yourself a little bit to stay engaged. And again, I don't want to do that. It's just more work. It's in fact, I remember um, one year I had a colleague and he said, hey, you've got to try this new thing, Google Classroom. And I'm like, why? I have a classroom. I don't need an online classroom. And he goes, no, no, really, you have to try it. It's so cool. There's so many opportunities here. This is going to explode. Okay. So I had my students turn in a paper on Google Classroom. So I taught them all how to enroll in it and do the thing. And I was like, this is so dumb but he keeps encouraging me. And then we had COVID. And all my kids had logins and had sat through with me how to submit an assignment. 
And I had done a little bit of work up front on how to set that assignment up. And so just taking the plunge, even if you don't see that it's valuable, even if you can't quite see, listen to those people who know a little bit more about tech than you do. And for me, that's like 80% of the population. Um, and I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, but I'm trying to relate here, people. And do the hard thing. Do the work. I realize all the time, just because I am highly distractible as a student, so it kind of puts me in a position where I can understand my students who do struggle, how hard it is to keep up with seven teachers who are making requirements that are online and in person and you can text them or you can email them or you can do this or you can do that. Like they've got so many options that they have to make sense of. I need to back off and give them the same grace that I need when I'm learning. Mm. And so I can't envision their position until I'm learning. Yes. So I have to be trying something new. Because we're all yeah. learners here. We yes. are. We love and learning. Yes. And well, because it's so good for us, right? Like that's why we do it. That's a beautiful reflection of who we are as Jesus followers. Because at the end of the day and at the end of time, when we step over into eternity, I don't think there will be a point where suddenly I go, ah, yes, I know everything there is to know about God. I think we get to keep working in yes. heaven. And people who are not work-oriented are like, shut up, I hate that. But <laughs> but for those of us who are, like, we understand that working, that that's a reflection of who God is, and that's that peace. And so the people who are really good at resting, they'll get to rest all the time and reflect Jesus that way. And those of us who want to create podcasts, we're going to be like doing that thing. And that makes me think, too, us being the image of God, the Imago Dei, I mean, He is the capital C creator. Yeah. And we, as lowercase c creators— I, I really believe that not only learning, but specifically tech can be such a launch point for us to continue reflecting God's image as creators and engaging with one another in that space. I look back, like every now and then I do kind of a check spiritually. Am I sharing Jesus with people? Mm -hmm. If I'm not, it's usually because I'm not learning anything. I've read the Bible a few times, right? So does that mean I've now learned everything I need to know? Right. I've and like my husband and I will listen to sermons and we're like, yeah, we pretty much heard all that. Right. But that's not the point mm -hmm. that I have not now checked all the boxes I need to check. I've heard every interpretation I can and now I'm done. The point is to always have that growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm always learning about Jesus, if I'm always learning about the Holy Spirit and learning godly things, godly habits and practices, then I want to share that. Just like that spiritually, if we are excited about tech in some aspect of our lives, if we're willing to learn, if we're willing to break ground, then we can share that with our students. And having that proper framework mentally ourselves towards technology, to not be afraid, to not, like we don't want our students to hate us because we're fuddy-duddies, right? We don't want them to make assumptions about us. We can't make assumptions about them either. Having that openness to, to always learn and keep growing then I think you find places like that in your classroom. Oh, technology is so good for them. Okay, I'm going to learn Flipgrid. And it's not comfortable and it's irritating and frustrating, but it's worth it because then you see things in your kids you never saw before and you start to see potential for where all this is going to go. Well, speaking of always learning, it's that time for us to talk about what we're learning right now. 
Liz, what are you learning? So kind of going in line with our conversation that we had today about having uncomfortable conversations, there is a family resource that I am obsessed with called the Birds and Bees. They have an amazing Instagram. Their handle is at birds underscore bees. It's an older lady and a young mom who have teamed up to educate parents on how to have drip by drip conversations that are just integrated in daily life about sex. As somebody who grew up in purity culture, it is so refreshing and so incredibly practical. They have a course. Me and some Metro friends uh, did it together and it took about 90 minutes and it was just incredible practical tools that I get to use with my kids all the time. So it's definitely an equipping thing in an area that a lot of us people who grew up, you know, in purity culture, maybe don't have the tools for. And maybe is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable, but it's the biology teacher. It's also super fun. So and I'm valuable, a weirdo. Right? It is valuable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Alyssa, what are you learning lately? I am cultivating my ability to use platforms that are different than the ones that I normally default to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be stuck just using the platform that I use. For example, I am a Google gal, so I like to use all of those spaces, but I'm continuing to cultivate not only an awareness of other tools like OK Microsoft, those also have benefits. And I'm acknowledging that there is a time and place for all the different things. And I don't want to just become so locked into one that I can't be flexible. It has its win moments. Yes. There are there's there's some things. So and ultimately, too, if it's going to be a something in between me and another person because I can't you know, learn to be flexible. Do I want everyone else to be flexible too? Well, yeah. But if I can't do that and model that, I don't, I don't think it can go the other way. That's good. Angie. One of the things I've really struggled with this semester or decade. Pick one. <laughs> it's valid. It is, yeah. The whole concept of rest and Sabbath. Yes. I talk to people about this all the time. Like, Hey, I really suck at this. What do you know? A friend of mine a couple of weeks ago just gave me a perspective on Sabbath that has kind of changed things for me in the last two weeks. And it's something that I have been practicing. And so initially when you get excited about something, you're like, oh, that's really cool. And then you go back to whatever it was you were doing. And so I've kind of hit that point recently where it's like, oh, I think I've given up on mm -hmm. that insight that she gave me two weeks ago that made things so good. So is it still true here? And so I'm kind of like working, I'm pushing past one of those barriers that you come to when you're learning something new. And that's really cool because this has been important to me for a long time. That's so important, especially as educators, we can get so focused on the checkbox and the do, do, do and the achievement performance. But that rest is something that we were made to have and made to crave and yeah, that's huge. Angie, thank you for joining us for this conversation. It was so insightful and so just good. downright fun. Next time, we will look at our last letter in the tech acronym, HOLISTIC, with the aim of creating holistic learners here at Metro Christian Academy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on the Metro Minute, Loving Learning Edition, where we talk about all things professional development and ed tech for K-12 teachers in today's world. Find new episodes, resources, and more on our website at metroca.com slash podcast or on social media under Metro Christian Academy Tulsa. Stay curious and keep learning. See you next time.